Wildfire Podcast is an extension of Wildfire Ministries, an organisation that has a focus of igniting men and women of God into a deeper discipleship with Christ, instilling them with a passion to radically and relentlessly pursue Christ wherever that leads, that God's truth will spread like a wildfire. How's it going? Nice to be with you again. I'm joined once again with Luke Taylor. Yeah, that's right. And... um, First of all, before we get started in this episode, we'd like to talk about our Paul and Timothy discipleship programs, which run, uh, which will be running at your interest, expression of your interest. So basically, get in touch with us on the website, over Instagram, TikTok, TikTok now apparently, which I'm a little bit annoyed about, <laughs> but never mind. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you suggested TikTok. That was your idea. Yeah. Don't don't say it wasn't. It was, but I regret it. I repent. And I also was a little bit reserved and conservative about going on it as apart from being involved with Wildfire, I despise TikTok. But ever since I got on, I've enjoyed, you know, doing the videos uh, because of Hans Zimmer. But that's another. We won't go down that. Yeah, that's fine. Keep uh, but yeah, so Paul and Timothy Discipleship Programs, you can express your interest. And it's basically someone from our organization will go with you through this discipleship program with the five stages of? Uh, recognize, equip, go, grow and glorify and this way we'll just walk with you and try and cement you in your faith and you'll become a stronger christian and we'll just be walking through the bible together um but if it's something you'd be interested in then just get in touch get in touch check out the website check out all the social medias and that'll give you further details and again uh there will be email and links for you to contact us for any further details such like that cool apart from that we do have to say we talked about this whenever I was saying to Peter that I have a mentee for you. Uh, so a, a mentor, the opposite of a mentor is a mentee. That is the person to which the mentor mentors, right? It's quite clear. You have a mentee. What would you think from that? Okay, I have a person who I'm going to mentor. What did you think whenever I said that, Peter? What was going through your head when you got that message? I had a complete brain fart and I had no idea what it was. Um <laughs> I, this word that meant nothing to me and I thought it was a type of sweet or something <laughs> oh that was so funny she thought it was just I was just offering you some chocolate or something or new form of sweet yeah I had no idea to be honest you're kind of a weird guy look so honestly I had no idea <laughs> but we know now mentor mentees that is happening so with that being said what are we talking about today in this podcast Peter so today we're going to be talking about the book of Habakkuk, which is a book I hadn't really heard much of. I've never heard it spoken about or preached on, uh, besides just the wee Bible project intro and I've read through prior to prepping for this once myself. So it's not really a book you hear from very often. Yeah. But do you want to give us some of the context of Yeah, so I'm, I was with you prior to this, and I suppose that's sort of a general theme of the minor prophets. Minor, not in significance, of course, because all scripture is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training, Second Timothy 3, uh, but more so in scale and the amount of content, you know what I mean? Uh, you've got Isaiah, which is like 65 chapters, whereas Habakkuk's 3. Um, so that's what we mean by the Minor Prophets, if we do say that in uh, throughout the podcast. But not much is known about Habakkuk. His name either means embracer or wrestler. Uh, which corresponds with the central theme of the book, uh, this dialogue between God and Habakkuk through prayer over the question of suffering. It can be best summarised by Epicurus, you ever heard of him? Uh, A Greek philosopher uh, who said, is God willing to prevent evil but not able? Then he is not omnipotent, that is all powerful. Is he able but not willing? Then he is malevolent, that is he just is inactive is he both able and willing 
then whence cometh evil? Is he neither able, able nor willing? Then why call him God? Okay, so that's a whole big chunk of, of a statement right there. But within that, we can probably relate uh, to our own lives of what is being said. And basically throughout the whole book, this question is something uh, that we all ask each other. And it's a question uh, that we all face in our lives. And it's certainly a question that is being asked in Habakkuk. This whole question of suffering and God's judgment and where is God whenever we think that he is not there or not present in those moments of of intangibility and so what i would like to say from the offset though is there is a dichotomy that is created uh, uh, that is true habakkuk's name is embrace or wrestle Uh, but rather from the offset we want to eliminate this and present another perspective that is not to say that embrace is one camp and wrestle is another and you just have to choose one whenever you're interacting with suffering and uh, problems and trials and questions of God's justice in some of the most difficult aspects of of society Uh, rather we want to say that they're actually synonymous that they're one thing uh, because by wrestling we embrace and by embracing we wrestle that is to say if you have a a problem a struggle a period of suffering in your life uh, in your life and you're questioning why God is allowing this to happen uh, we're not saying that you simply just well you have to embrace it because we don't know and God's ways are higher than ours Uh, or if you don't like that then you have to wrestle and you have to be angry with God you have to fight with God and uh, ultimately there will never be a a win or a loss you'll just keep fighting rather we want to say that by wrestling with these difficult issues you do embrace it that is you accept the suffering that is in your life and you wrestle with God because we are finite and we're in the flesh and we don't understand and so we wrestle over these things and we ask God and we petition and we say God Can you give me further understanding and clarity in these moments of suffering in our lives? And this is the prayer of Habakkuk. Yeah. And the story of Israel in the Old Testament, Israel means he who wrestles with God and Jacob, who then got his name afterwards, he physically did wrestle with God. So it's something that even the characters in the Old Testament literally did. And the nation itself went through that wrestling process with God. Mm -hmm. So uh, the important conclusion, though, is Ecclesiastes 12, 13. That is whenever you embrace Whenever you wrestle, uh, just as Jacob did uh, with God, just as Israel did with God, and just as Habakkuk is doing here, and as we do in our lives, what's the important conclusion there, Peter? So the conclusion, as in Ecclesiastes twelve thirteen says, The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commands, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. So whether you wrestle or whether you just accept, the conclusion should be fear of God and fear is in reverence for God because his ways are just and uh, he will bring every deed into judgment that you do. Yeah, Genesis does say, I believe it's Genesis that uh, won't the, the the judge of the universe do what is right? Yeah. So that we can trust and have assurance in. Yeah. But a wee bit further context in this. So scholars reckon this book was written prior to 606 BC um, sometime within that century beforehand um, at least when this prophecy was given and uh, 605 BC was the Battle of Carchemish which is what the heck's that yeah so Carchemish I think is in North Palestine kind of northern Israel okay I could be near the coast could be wrong about that I haven't looked the map in a while Um, and basically it was a battle that took place between the Egyptians uh, who were 
ruled by Pharaoh Nico and against the Babylonians who were coming down and they both met just at the central point and I, th I think it was Jehoiakim was king of Judah and he was told not to go out and fight with um with the alongside Egypt against the Babylonians but he did anyway okay. and he ended up getting, sh getting shot in the back with an arrow and uh, long story short the Babylonians won the battle and then that's what kind of cemented them as the, the head honchos in that region for um, ah, head honchos. Head honchos. I wrote the he he hegemonic power in Palestine, yeah, but I like I like yours. I prefer yours. Yeah, it's just easier to say. To be honest. <laughs> um, but yeah, Babylon became one of the superpowers of the well, became the superpower of the world after that. Okay, um, for a period of time. But it was this battle of Carchemish. But then these prophecies that we're going to read about in Habakkuk all happened before this battle. So before this battle, before Babylon comes. This is whenever, Israel, whenever Judah are still the ones um, Yeah, in so we're themselves. seeing some, again, some epic prophecies yeah. that happened prior to the events and uh, how you can't really explain that away. Um, within, again, a theological point, bring it back to Habakkuk, uh, it's similar, whenever I was reading this, it was similar to Job, I thought. And um, that is, there is this bewilderment or this dissatisfaction with God and his handling uh, of situations or the events that are happening in, in that moment. And then the conclusion in Job 38, I'd highly recommend that you read it. Um, God is um, just absolutely awesome and epic in his response um, to Job uh, and the friends and what they had said. Uh, and in equal measure, it's uh, uh, we may not get all the answers from what Habakkuk says in the book, but again, scripture in its entirety, go to Job 38 and other passages to see uh, what God gives further details to how he is a just judge and how uh, he acts accordingly throughout all history and how he's still acting in history today. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, again, the question of why does God allow suffering, we've mentioned that a few times, uh, but we do want to emphasize that we will be, again, talking about uh, Habakkuk and just emphasizing those points, a breakdown of that book specifically, because uh, uh, we will do a, a podcast on suffering specifically another time. So with all that being said. Yeah, and kind of the main point for suffering in the book of Habakkuk, or the suffering to come for Judah, is for the purpose of discipline. So the parent who disciplines the child is father, the father or God is disciplining mm -hmm. um, his children in Israel because of the sins they've committed, which again we'll look at later on in this book. But I think it's important to talk about that discipline isn't always um, the purpose of suffering. Suffering yeah. sometimes just happens because we live in a broken world. So, uh -huh. for example, with cancer, just because you get cancer doesn't mean God's disciplining you for something. Um, it, it could just be, that may be the reason. But it's, it's definitely not always the case. We just want to emphasize that at the yes, start. There's not a direct correlation there. Yeah, correlation. Discipline is one aspect. Yeah, correlation does not always equal causation. Yeah. So um, with that being said, uh, chapter one, Habakkuk's complaint. Um, if we if we read uh, verse two, it says, O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear or cry to you violence and you will not save. Now again, we already talked about uh, this idea of discipline, which is the focus of, of how God is teaching the Israelites in this moment, or uh, uh, in, in Judah, uh, the, the northern and the southern tribe. In this case, it's specifically Judah, the southern tribe. Uh, but in verses we read that no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Proverbs 12.1, Proverbs 13.24, 1 Corinthians 9.27 and Revelation 3.19 all talk about uh, this idea of discipline, of justice and fruit being yielded from it. 
So within this specific context, over and over again, you read this metaphor, which is uh, of Israelites uh, and how even when a tree is cut down, it will regrow again and its new roots will not fail. Uh, you can always find in these verses of God um, instituting this judgment, this divine judgment and retribution, uh, that the reason for doing so was to actually restore uh, Israel into a position where they knew that they needed Jesus mm-hmm. uh, or they knew that they needed uh, God, three yeah. and one. Uh, and again, how is that applicable for us in the New Testament? Galatians 6 talks about uh, if any of you is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore one another. So it's again, we are called to, just as God was restoring Israel, we are called to restore one another uh, as brothers and sisters in Christ. But again, verse 2, we just read it. Uh, Habakkuk is offering up uh, these complaints. Uh, and again, it's, uh, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Uh, the Messianic Psalms in chapter 2, 22, 110, Jesus on the cross. Uh, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, why? Have you forsaken me? Mm. Again, the questions are uh, just reverberates, reverberates throughout all history. The question, why God? Why suffering? Why discipline? Why God? And basically, I want to propose that by actually asking this question, why God? Do we not get the answer? Uh, because our minds go to God. We turn to God in our weakness. Our inability brings us to God. Uh, that is, again, our only purpose and meaning is to know God and make him known or mm. grow closer to him. And so these moments of suffering, we all, or these moments of injustice, where do we go to? Yeah. Because you always hear the story of the atheists who, no matter how much they disbelieve in God, the moment they start suffering, that's when they begin to pray. Exactly. Yeah. Or that's even the moment where they start to question God's existence. Mm-hmm. So God is actually inserted into the conversation through the very existence of suffering mm-hmm. uh, and discipline. And God's justice and whether God is just or not, which is again Habakkuk's complaint here. Uh, and again, if we go to verse four, um, read that there now. Uh, so the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth, for the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. That is to say, Habakkuk is saying justice is being perverted, justice seems like it's paralyzed. God seems absent in this moment as God is those immutable characteristics of justice and righteousness. And Habakkuk is saying none of those attributes are there. God is just not present. And again, to reiterate, to reiterate Job 38 again goes into more extensive detail about the justice of God. Uh, but 2 Corinthians 5 and 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. 1 Peter 4, 17, Revelation 20, 11, 15, John 3, 18. Again, all emphasize these points of how God is a God of justice, and that he will judge accordingly. And again, those are all New Testament passages. Yeah. Again, just attacking that idea of Old Testament is a book of judgment and New Testament is not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's also the fact that in these particular verses, the injustice Habakkuk's talking about is that he knows Israel are sinful. That's yeah. almost undeniable. Again, we'll talk about that in chapter two. It's the fact that he's taking issue with the exact method of ju- judgment God is using, which mm-hmm. is that of Babylon. Babylon, arguably, are worse than Israel. Um, because they, they, they are pagan to the core. Israel, at least, had a kind of a good foundation, then just went and, uh, like what's the word? They went and just ruined it after that. They fell away. But Babylon, um, they, you can read the Enumeration. It's just all, it's just all um, pagan doctrine, basically. 
so he's taking issue with the methods of Babylon. Mm-hmm. It's like, why would you, okay, Israel are bad, but why would you use an even worse nation or a, a bad nation to come judge them? Mm-hmm. That's the issue of judgment he's talking about. But yeah, we hopefully find resolution later on in the book. In Malaysia's creation? Yeah, that's the Bab- Babylonian creation myth, their version of Genesis. Right. Okay. So, and then we just wanted to highlight there a, uh, Verse 13, about how it says, You who are of pure eyes and to see evil and cannot look at wrong, why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? Again, Habakkuk recognises that God is a God of holiness. Uh, and again, that is totally correct. That is a good presupposition to start with, that God is holy. Uh, but again, he just sort of goes wrong, and we often do, that he looks at injustices in society and says that the fact that God is allowing this to happen makes God unjust, which is just incorrect. Mm-hmm. That is, anything that flows from God is justice and is holiness. Anything that flows from uh, humanity, the flesh, uh, evidently is sinful, post-fall. Uh, and so that's what we wanted to emphasize in these points, that God is holy and anything that God institutes is holy. So in this case, uh, Habakkuk is so confused why he's going to use Babylon, which is a worse nation than Israel, to discipline Israel. Uh, and rather what we want to say is you, you just can't question God in that in that regard. Anything that God chooses to do is by definition holy because God is holy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, chapter two is the righteousness of, uh, the righteous shall live by his faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the point that I just wanted to uh, highlight there is verse 4, which is, Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. Again, there is an emphasis of faith. It is faith that establishes a relationship with God. It was faith through Abraham that established that covenant. And again, God's sovereignty. And again, New Testament, Ephesians 2, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And then all of yourselves is the gift of God. Heck yeah. Yeah. All God. Let's go. Um, so now we'll get into some specific things that Israel were doing wrong. So the five woes, um, first, for the sake of time, we're going to put the first two together. So these are woe to those who profit from us unjust economics. So that would be those in power or the rich abusing the poor and making the poor poor so they can become richer. And there are differences in the first two woes, but again, we'll just put them together for simplicity. Yeah. Um, the third one, the third one is woe to those who use slave labor to build cities. Uh, number four is woe to those who abuse alcohol and sex. And number five is woe to those who worship idols. Radio. So Hab- Habakkuk in that moment, who's he? Who are those woes going up to, uh, or who are those woes addressed to? What? Yeah. What? So the wo- woe would basically be, it's a, it's basically a point of making, um clear that this is sin so woe to those destruction to you who profit from unjust economics so it's a lament uh, a lamentation is that is that correct I, a, a sorrowful i don't know if it's sorrowful as such it's basically i think it's just stating the facts like judgment to you or does destruction oh, okay to you. yeah yeah i don't know if he's being too sorrowful about the destruction okay. so he's um, saying yeah. woe to you as in destruction to you because of because of these things you're doing. Because of these yeah. things. So the unjust yeah. economics. Yeah. So, as you highlighted. Yeah, unjust mm-hmm. economics. So an example of that for what Judah were doing, um, and Israel's a whole Israel's a whole as well, was God decreed in the Torah that they were to have a year of Jubilee. So every seventh year was to be a year of rest. Mm-hmm. And then every so that's forty nine. And then the fiftieth year, the year of Jubilee, was to be a time when all debts were forgiven, slaves were released and returned, um, anything like that was just reset. 
but there's absolutely no record in the Bible of this ever taking place. So, and they're they're actually judged for not for this not taking place. The role mm-hmm. of Daniel, we can see this in some of the prophecies there. So the point of that is because the poor weren't set free of their debts, they got into even more debt, and the rich were then able to incur more money unjustly against the law, against the Torah. This was unjust. Um, point three, um, those who use slave labor to build cities, um, again, they're using the slaves unjustly because the Torah says about treating... I think uh, there's a part in the end of chapter two that talks about the blood of the slaves, whereas Israel were told to treat their slaves very well. And if they're bleeding, that's not a good sign. That's what the Egyptians do, who they were freed from. Yeah. Verse 12, woe to him who builds a town with blood. Yes, that's it. Um, and then number four, what are those who abuse alcohol and sex? And it particularly talks about using alcohol to get sex, so for the purpose of seduction. And again, it's again addressing those who are in power over others. So those who are in power are abusing alcohol um, to get sex and that kind of thing, which obviously isn't great. And you, you don't... Strong, simple. Yeah, and you don't read a lot about alcohol in the Old Testament, actually. Like, I've just kind of thought... Can you think of another passage where it's talked about? You read it about, talks, yeah. You, obviously, there's Noah's nakedness. Um, yes. And that's another example of drunkenness leading to sexual impurity mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because of Noah's drunkenness. Yeah. There are probably a few other It talks things. about being a, like a, a mocker of wine or mm-hmm. wine produces mockers yes. or too much wine. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So it talks about drunkenness there yeah. in other passages. But. Yeah. Uh, so it's basically the idea that don't abuse alcohol because you will, you'll rule unjustly then. And then finally, woe to those who worship idols and all of the above that we've talked about. The other four woes could all be seen as idols. Money. Mm-hmm. Slave labour to build cities again. Profit. Yeah. Um, to, to become the ruling class. Alcohol and sex. So these in themselves are idol are idols. But then there were actual idols yeah. that Judah were worshipping at the time. And this is, so this is what Judah are doing. Yeah. That is the southern kingdom of Israel. Mm-hmm. So God's chosen people. Yes. And uh, Habakkuk is clearly expressing it. His condemnation of it, mm-hmm. of course. The on, condem- beh- on behalf of God. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. Exactly. And then I guess it's just the, the opportunity for us to evaluate um, ourselves in light of that. What idols are we bowing down to as instead of God? And you can see how seriously these are treated. Even society around us, the, the value they put on sex and alcohol... Um, that's something just take take account of, I guess, and mm-hmm. look at that, and show how severely it's how seriously it's to be treated. Yeah. Um. Finally, in chapter three, we've got Habakkuk's prayer. So it opens with God arriving on the earth, and it's it's terrifying. <laughs> if you read the description, it's absolutely uh, it's, there's the ground shaking. It's um, it's quite terrifying, and it reminds me of you know Stephen Fry. Yeah, the actor. He gave an interview in Channel 4 a number of years ago and he said about how that if he was, if he was, the interviewer asked him something about what would you say if you did arrive at those pearly gates because I think he's an atheist but it's like say what was real and you were taken to the pearly gates, you were shown to God, what would you say Stephen Fry? And he said, um, I would say how dare you, how dare you, um, what about bone cancer and children and he listed off all these points basically, it'd be him having him giving moral, ju- moral uh, judgment against God. <laughs> Yeah, like Habakkuk, mm-hmm. but without any fear or reverence. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But then you read passages like this about God arriving on the earth, or um, there's other passages in Daniel I really love, mm-hmm. and you think, yeah, there's there's no way he's actually going to be like that. There will be nothing in his mind that will give him moral superiority for God. Um, 
because I was listening today to another podcast and the guy was saying about, I think it's in Timothy, it says the law is given for the unjust, so it's not for the just. And it's not, so that it's not, the law isn't a ladder for people to climb to get to God. It's a standard for God to judge those that are beneath him so that they can, so God's given us these rules and we can see that these are the standards that we have to keep to. So in the last day, there'll be no, there'll be no opportunity to say oh I didn't know or um, anything like that it'll be you knew what these rules are and I'm going to judge you to what I've told you I will judge you there's no uh, kind of wiggling your way around it yeah. um, because oh I wasn't sure about this this little thing it's like you know God's given us his word and that's final and yeah. if you don't want to dis- if you don't want to obey it that's fine mm-hmm. and it's that's equal fine. measure it's what Israel have done yeah. and they are mm-hmm. going to reap the consequences of it yeah, exactly. that is the takeover from Babylon yeah exactly <laughs> okay and then uh, the verse 13 I quite liked. And you can see if you if this reminds you of anything else in the Bible. Look, so verse 13 of chapter 3 is, You went out for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of your anointed. You crushed the head of the house of the wicked, laying him bare from thigh to neck. See that? That sounds a little bit familiar to me. Yes. It's like it's pointing to back and then forward. Yep. And then fulfilled. It's pointing to Genesis. Chapter 3, I think. Uh, so about how what was the passage so it's um, the woman so after the fall Eve is given uh, a chance she, she's given a prophecy it says you shall cross your offspring shall cross the head of the crush the head of the snake but uh-huh. the snake shall, cr- shall bruise his heel and it's talking about you crush the head of the house of the wicked so it's yeah. the snake being crushed so it's pointing towards again Jesus just like again every passage is pointing towards Jesus and Jesus for his love for his people mm-hmm. and how his people can express love back yeah so yeah so amazing just to summarize habakkuk it's the idea of we have suffering in this world some quite often because of the sin in our own lives or sometimes anyway and god will bring judgment he may bring judgment by ways that seem unjust at the moment such as babylon or something like that in our own lives but in time we will see the purpose of this when we wrestle with it and also that God will finally judge in one day and it will be perfect judgment that no one can say anything to because we know the law. We know how to keep it. Um, and while we can't keep it, we have Jesus Christ to rely on mm. because it's his salvation that we that, is impu- that we have. Has been imputed on us. Has, has been imputed on us so that, we can, be, that we, we, we can be saved. And the final verse just to consider is James 1 verse 2. So it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. So Habakkuk finishes off this book by... Um, waiting for this day of justice so it's up to us to wait and rejoice in our suffering till this day of justice comes brilliant and with that we will end it there and we will see you in the next podcast